I felt like the church was fake. I didn't feel like it was real love. I felt like it was a leadership show. What took it to another level with me sexually, I lost my virginity at nine. Because the first time I tried it with a man. How old were you? Fifteen. Something had to conquer my mind because I loved sex with men. I, him, I, I said, I gotta tell you something else. He said, okay, I'm in the house, sitting in the car. I said, what if I told you I used to be gay? She starts laughing. Sin is fun. And, and this is why, hallelujah, Jesus. This is why something had to conquer my mind because I was having a lot of fun. Hey guys, and welcome to Candid with Lady T podcast. This is the podcast where I dive into many topics and issues relating to faith, relationships, life, politics, and so much more, and pop culture as well. Now, this episode is uh, talking about sexuality, a subject that millions struggle with day in, day out, um, including Christians as well. Now, my guest on today's episode is the author of From Secrets with Men to Romance with him, which is a story of deliverance from homosexuality, lust, and fearful pride. Welcome, Victor Bell. Hello, sir. Good morning, Lady T. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. Um, the Lord is exalted. I count an honor and a privilege to be able to tell my love story of him, yeah. with him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and explain it practically uh, because yeah. much of the world is not uh, biblically well, well versed biblically, uh, but they do understand practical stories and practical stories of triumph and even things that they're not, uh, they don't really believe or they're like, it could be far fetched. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, so I just a, a quick backstory to how I got Victor on my podcast. I was actually on on uh, Clubhouse one day and, I, and I've forgotten what discussion it was about. Uh, it was something very general, I think. And then I think Victor gave a snapshot of his of his story. And then I just clicked in his bio and I was like, whoa, this is this is really interesting. Like, I'd love to find out more about, you know, his story, his journey, um, basically from uh, someone who, uh, who was homosexual to now heterosexual and is a Christian. And, um, and for me, there's lots of questions and I've got lots of questions. In fact, some of my friends are, you know, putting some questions to ask as well. So I'm going to put them to you um, as well. So let's, let's, let's take it, let's, let's take it from the, the beginning um, with you. So at what age did you get into um, same-sex sort of attachment or attraction? I was five. I was never raped. I was never molested. Uh, nobody ever, ever, ever did anything, excuse me, to me that I didn't want them to do or I wasn't willing to do. The thought in my mind came when I was watching a the opening credits of a soap opera sex scene. Uh, and the scenes proceeding was a woman that was being swept off her feet on the beach and a woman that was drinking wine at this romantic dinner with this man. And then there was a, the following scene was this like really passionate sex scene. I know that what it was to be now at that time, it just was so intriguing and so captivating. I know that the writers or the producers, they wanted to reel people in with that sex scene because it was 
it was as, it was as close as you could get at something you would see today on a soap opera. Now I know soap operas provided a level of passion back in the early '90s. Um, it was probably the closest thing you could get to uh, mature television um, in the daytime because kids weren't at home; they were at school. But I know when I saw it, it was like, "Well, I, I like what the man is doing. I do, but I really like how the woman is receiving it. I want to be the woman." I immediately said, "I want to be the woman." Um, this didn't come from anywhere. This was, I want to be the woman right now. Like, I want to be her. I thought the woman was loved. I thought that the scenes leading up to that showed me that she was loved. And I said, I want to be loved like her. And I understand my mind was to be loved like her. Uh, I have to be able to receive and give myself the way she gives herself. That's where it started. Wow. So you wanted to be loved like she loved but from a, from, a, from a man giving you that love basically yes, yeah. right okay so obviously you were five which is very very early for um a child to be able to develop that type of you know attraction or feeling as the years went on how like in terms of like the the feeling like how much more did it grow stronger? And did you tell your parents and did they notice anything at all? Uh, first off, no one, only to see. The only people that knew that I was on the down low were the people that I had involvement with. Right. There were, I had two, I had a cousin that knew and a friend of mine that I went, I went to college with that knew, a female friend. Other than that, if you were my family member and I went to court and they said, well, listen, Victor's going to beat this case. He's going to be proven innocent. All you have to do is say that he's gay. My family members would have been like my immediate family, my extended family, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my cousins would have been like, we need a recess because he's not gay. Like, what are you talking about? And they would have been like, when he is, and, they, and then they would have said, well, he's going to be guilty because I can't say that. And I would have had to tell them then like, I'm, I'm, I'm gay on the low. No one knew at all, not even a little bit. From the ages of five to about eight, just before eight or right at eight, I had uh, several willful, willful sexual encounters with boys my age, um, playing house, a doctor, or hide and go seek. At age eight? So between, between the ages of five to eight. The, the truth of the matter is kids experiment. People don't talk about it a lot. Kids experiment. It's regular that kids experiment. Kids touch each other. Kids explore each other's bodies. They explore their bodies. People just don't talk about it. Um, if you were to put it to the task and say, and do a poll in the millennial generation right now and ask them, have you ever experimented with the same sex or and at an early age with the opposite sex, you would get yes and yes, probably over 65%. It's not something that I'm saying that is taboo. It's not something I'm saying that I didn't know that. Like it's, 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 it's regular, kids experiment. Um, I know this because when I told, I finally came out with my story, a lot of my family members said, you know, well, I experimented too, but you know, eventually I just said, I don't like that. Or, I don't want to do that. But yeah, kids experiment, mm -hmm. kids see. I've talked to people that have said, wow, I never knew that someone had a similar life like mine. I thought this was regular 
females too, not just boys, uh, females too. But anyway, so yeah, from the ages of five to eight, I had those encounters and I, wa I wanted to be the girl in the soap opera bathtub scene. So I, I jumped at the chance to be the girl. It was never like, I don't know. I was like, no, nah, I, wa I want to be the girlfriend. I want to be the mother. I want to be the female nurse. I want to be a female doctor. That was me. Because I felt if I gave off a certain presentation that I would receive a certain response from boys or men that I could eventually cultivate into the love that the woman got from the soap opera bathtub scene. So that's where it really started. Did you did you ever like um, dress or act or talk in a certain way? To oh yes, I never dressed. I never dressed. Uh, I remember a couple of times I was playing around walking in high heels because I seen and that was more to portray like Martin uh, Shanene or Martin's mother. Um, you know, uh, it was funny to me. But <laughs> on the surface, I was a masculine boy. On the surface. But there was a, about, from the ages of about six to seven, I used to play a lot of the girl games at recess because I, that was the earliest age where I felt like girls, not only do, do girls get love and I want the girl love that girls get, but I felt that girls get different attention than boys. They get affection organically. They get affection by default. They get affection because they're felt to be uh, more uh, precious or, or more needing of those, uh, those emotional, actions or yep. supports boys get stop crying get up be tough i don't nobody want to hear that walk it off get over it you know at, at a young age you're taught that that's what you have to be as a boy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I, I could adapt to that um it actually made me pretty violent as a kid like when i fought as a kid i didn't i, I didn't fight just to beat you i fought to hurt you because i felt that that's what i needed to do I really wanted friends. I didn't want enemies. I didn't want people to dislike me or reject me. Mm -hmm. But I felt that being violent would was what I had to do because I had to be a manly boy. Yeah. Or we understand as hyper masculinity. Yeah. Um, but it felt better for me to be feminine, to dance like the young ladies or to play girl games or to. Mm -hmm interact with young ladies uh, for a little bit from, like I said, ages from six to seven. By the time I was eight, I was like all, all the way boy, playing dirty in the, in the um, and I still was, I still, at that time, I still played football in the dirt and still got in the boyish f f fights and still was rough and all of that. By the time I was eight, I pushed it in the back of my head, but I still always felt that I could bring that persona out, the feminine persona. Mm -hmm. um, because I always felt it would garner me a certain attention. And, and for a while, I, to me, it was. My teachers acted different towards me. Like, it was crazy. When I act like boyish me, when I act like aggressive me, who, like, who I really was, like competitive, I would grow, outgoing, outspoken, braggadocious. I didn't get the same reception mm -hmm. when I act. In my mind, it was weak or not only say weak, I would say uh, more gentle, more not as rough, mm -hmm. um, more delicate. I received a different reception. Um, and, I, and I understood if you want good attention, to me, act like this. So you go, you almost have to behave in a certain way to- At that time, yeah. Yeah, at the time to get what you want, to get what you wanted. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. Um, 
my parents, for as long as I remember, my, my parents were parishioners uh, in the church. Okay. Um, they were, my father was a deacon for as long as I can remember. remember. My mother was a nurse, uh, eventually an elder. My grandmother was an evangelist. My, my paternal grandparents were parishioners in the church too. The culture was like growing up, in a, if, if your parents were gangsters, you understand or they were in the criminal underworld or they were sports people. You understand what is accepted and what's liked, what's approved. So that was important to me for a time. But it, when, I, when I wanted it to give me a certain feeling, I never got that feeling. And then over time, as I got older, um, and then in middle school, I was verbally, uh, I say late elementary middle school, I was verbally bullied, talked about a lot. And uh, it led to me being more aggressive verbally and physically. Right, okay. Um, so it was like this love of God, and I even felt it in the church amongst peers my age too. And even amongst older people, I felt like the church was, I felt like the church was fake. I didn't feel like it was real love. I felt like it was a elitist show, mm. social club. I didn't feel like it was real genuine love that, that the Bible talks about. And the people, the people say you can get the love of God at church or as or how they relegated to that, you know, yeah. and even as your mother as a child. So at a certain time, I started finding other vices that could fulfill what I wanted with love and what took it to another level with me sexually. I lost my virginity at nine to a girl that was nine. We at nine? The, we were in the fourth grade together. We were, we were like neighborhood friends. We played sports together. She was, she was the greatest to be the greatest tomboy athlete I've ever seen in my life. Like she was, I had to compete versus her. She was, she was a dog. Wow. <laughs> her father had like a high volume of uh, adult movies. And we, and uh, one day I was telling her and a friend of her, another neighborhood friend of ours that I had seen more graphic sex scenes than them. And they were telling me, no, you haven't. And they were adamant that I had not. I was saying, I saw Boys in the Hood and I saw Love Jones and I saw, I was like, trust me, you ain't seen what we seen. So I come over to the house and um, I'm a big movie buff. Have you ever seen In Too Deep with LL Cool J and Omar Epps? Yeah, Omar Epps, yeah, yeah. So I remember like the scene where LL Cool J is like, he's like, let's go down the stairs. He's like, man, I don't know what you got going on. He's like, man, just, just keep it moving. Oh, so I'm asking him like, all right, all right, what about it? He's like, man, go downstairs. So they put the VHS in for those of you millennials that don't know, or generation uh, years. I wanted to, you know, Whatever the generation is after the millennials, yeah. They don't know what a VHS is. We used to watch tapes you put in a VCR. So for DVDs and streaming. And streaming, yes. So they put the VHS in and it was triple X hardcore porn. My eyes were like enlightened. It was like, whoa. So I had never seen men respond verbally and physically like that to sexual pleasure. But I hadn't. That part still was like really intriguing too. It was like, okay, I want to feel that. But the way women were responding, it was it was visible nirvana to me. It was visible euphoria. It was like the men only verbally let out an expression, a uh, verbal emotional reaction to the physical action at a certain point. But the women were doing it the whole time. Um, it was the first time I saw moaning and screaming and pulling sheets and body contortions that just I was like I want to be her I want to be them I want to be the women wow. and the way the men grope them and grab them and you know a lot of the you know 
it was like like 70s 80s porn there the scenes are like they're presented as love scenes or presented as something that is a practical man and woman relationship and then it turns into hardcore graphic sex so i was like yo i want to be the woman like i know i want to be the woman um but it made me also want to do what we saw on tv so that's how i lost my virginity with uh, uh, so you actually lost it at the age of nine to another to a girl and that okay so with that experience when you when you did it did it compare to the feeling that you wanted to feel that you know that the, the women was, was did it feel um, right did it feel right when I, my, when I lost my virginity it was like another another level of discovery right it just me to what it, what I didn't know it was taking me down a deeper road of lust right. because now I was I was in camp it was encompassing uh levels of physical pleasure mm-hmm. that would prepared me to say I want more later mm-hmm. the first that I wasn't introduced to masturbation until I was 10 so you got to think about this I lost my virginity at nine I wasn't introduced to masturbation until I was 10 so you would think the other masturbation would come first yeah I didn't exactly. know how to masturbate after I, when I lost my virginity but I was introduced to f- sexual pleasure early so I knew what I wanted to feel and I knew how to explore my my body to where I could see what else is out there yeah. with myself. So the first time I was penetrated, I penetrated myself. Um, this is where the 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 thought of being with men and being receptive as a woman beginning to take shape. Um, because when I penetrated myself, um, how do you penetrate yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm oh finger finger on myself. Wow. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. So um, when I did that and I was masturbating at the same time, it was like, wow, I was 11. I was like, this is, this is exhilarating. Like it wasn't even about age. It was like, this feels really, really good. But then over time, as I kept doing it, it was like, it's like uh, you're able to drink Sprite now when you're six or seven and you can drink soda. Like, Ooh, what is this? Soda is really good. And then the adversary was like, if you ever want to be loved like a woman, you got to be able to take what women can take. So eventually you need to sleep with a man or a boy that's older than you. And, you know, watching porn, you see really big male private parts, uh, really big penises. So you get my, I geared myself up to say that I eventually could do that to what eventually I did. And over time, I increased in my submissiveness to a man or to men. I increased in my willingness to do everything I, that I saw, if to just describe it, what female porn stars did. So what age, um, was, that, what age was that when you really had to, that like, like, had your first encounter with a, with a man? Uh, I, was, uh, I was, actually, it's crazy. My first encounter of being penetrated with something like a penis or a, or a strap-on or somebody actually penetrating me was a dom lesbian yeah it's crazy right <laughs> she used a strap on me and it was the first time i was like okay i'm getting this penetration and this affection this caressing this touching as though i'm a woman and she talked to me like i was a woman so it was like okay that's not enough over time i gotta do something else so then eventually i 
tried it with a man. Um, and the adversary kept chiding me because the first time I tried it with a man. How old were uh, you? I was about 15. When he got to my house, let's just say he was really large. Wow. But he was large and he was flaccid. So I was like, all right, well, I guess he already excited. He wasn't. How old was he? He was, I think, like 18, 19. Okay. So he was still a teenager and so were you. Right. Okay. When I saw it completely, I was like, whoa, what have I got myself into? So I went to the bathroom. I was like sweating a little bit. But the adversary reminded me, he said, well, you couldn't, you couldn't take that now, but you got to be able to eventually if you want women you want what the love women get so on the surface i'm still a womanizer i'm i'm yeah remember i'm already a very experienced and sexually advanced Mm -hmm. so what was taboo in 2001 2002 and you could think of all the things that were taboo with girls like you don't say it out loud or you don't do that or boys say i ain't doing that all the stuff today that people are like is regular i was doing at 14, 15. And I knew I had an upper hand on the guys, my peers. Like I growing up with the light-skinned guy with the pretty hair and the green eyes and all of that, and guy with the dreads. I felt I needed an upper hand. I didn't feel I was very handsome growing up. Had acne and things of that nature. So when my acne cleared up and I knew I wrote I wrote poetry. I was pretty romantic at an early age. I could sing my claim to fame though before I felt my looks were attractive. I felt confident in my in my initial appearance was my body. So I had muscles everywhere. And it was nothing for me to walk around with my shirt off. Like if it's hot out, hot in, hot in school outside, I'm taking my shirt off. I'm in the gym, taking my shirt off. I walk around my house with my shirt off. People come visit me, like my mother's friends that were single and they went to church with us. So they were just with friends that she had worked with. They were like, boy, put your clothes on. All right now. Like it, it was important to me to garner that attention. Um, so with girls my age, I was trying to take girls on the exp- on, on the experience every time because it was like I'm I'm it wasn't even so much that I wanted to be their boyfriends. I want I, I wanted to act out what I knew to do. So you got two dichotomies with women, with with girls, teenage girls, women, and with boys and men, and it is on a crash course to align. Yeah. So in, in, in a sense, you are, would you say that you were more bi or were you more gay? Like just men, men, but it was um, like the pleasure of both. By definition, I was bi. I, I was getting ready to be completely gay later in my life. So at that time, I had a, I had a classmate. I reminded her about this a couple of years back too. We were in class, in history class one day, and she's like, are you bi? And I was like, Oh. Yeah, stop. See how many girls I talked to? And then one of my teammates was like, I played football in high school and college. He was like, y'all know, you know, big and gay. I was like, dang, how did she figure it out? It's crazy. That is crazy. Wow. Okay. All right. So now that you are, you, you kind of have both worlds, you know, you with men and women. Um, at what age did you then... Um, did you prolong your your sexuality with men? So, you know, you said 15 was the was the age you started for men, um, well, men and women, but how many years 
were you now sort of in a relationship or were you kind of like with men for from what age did that um, from about 15 to 15 to 22 um once i got to college i i was still a, i was still a very big womanizer i slept with a lot of girls a lot of girls and your parents still didn't know about this and no clue none whatsoever um i used to attend swing parties like or lifestyle parties is what they call them um i at times i slept with five women in one night my goal when i went to the club if i if i get four numbers to have sex with two of them in a week i was, I was winning um but it was more it was so much more exhilarating mm-hmm. so much more satisfying to be with the man because i just hoped that i could feel what the lady in the soap pub soap 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 opera bathtub felt yeah, that's what you want. But yet, still, I'm going down a deeper hole of lust. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, I also started attending all male orgies. As I said, like if you can imagine a woman in an adult film, in an adult film, mm-hmm. with several men at a time, that was me. I was very feminine when I was with men on the low. I was very, I was more feminine than my wife or you. I could switch like a woman, I could talk like a woman. If I'm on the phone with a man, I can make a man, I, could, I used to make a man very, very aroused, very, very intriguing, intrigued with me. When I was around men in that, in that capacity, I needed, I wanted to be the magnet of the room. I was very confident, even around girls, I was confident that if, if you'll do this with it, I, I can sleep with him tonight. Because what I knew was, when you when you first start being penetrated by men, it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. But I was so determined to reach that that uh, quest of what I thought was love that I was willing to take it. And then over time, it stopped hurting. So when it stopped hurting, it was like, oh yeah, I'm her. So watching porn and you seeing women, you know, ride these large male anatomies and do everything they can with them. That was me. So I knew I'm a man. I know what a man want to hear, what he don't want to hear, how he want his ego stroked, how he want to laugh, how he don't want to laugh, what he want to be left alone. I can be all of that. And I can give him what you can give him. I can make him climax too. So, and it got to the point, I started liking the, the attention of men more than I liked women. It was one time I was in a bed with a woman. I was like, I don't even want to be here. And uh, I was getting ready to just completely come out as gay. And I didn't want to fight it anymore. I didn't want to lie about it anymore. I was feeling so comfortable to just like, it was times where I just wanted, I was sitting in front of my friends and I wanted to like tell maybe a close friend, like, look, I'm gay. I love guys. I love having sex with men. I just wanted to let it out. And um, what stopped you? I don't know. I knew it was, I, I just felt it was like the time, like, you know, when people say I was ready to come out as gay, I was ready to. You know, um, I, it's time for me to come out. I, I finally figured out that I wanted to. I was, get, I was really getting ready to. Um, and I did tell a friend, because I had never told anybody. But I told this friend, like, I, yeah, I told her, I showed her something. And she thought I was lying when I told her. I said, let me show you something. So I took a picture of something. I said, look at this. Mm-hmm. I said, this is my friend. She was like, boy, what? How long have you been doing this? Like, she, I was like, all through college, you just didn't know. And 
Yeah, like none of my like my, my teammates, like none of them knew. Not nobody knew. My my female friends in college, uh, nobody knew. But the the wrench and everything was I had a girlfriend. Eventually I got a, I had a girlfriend who was my wife today. Before we get there, because I need we need we need to we need to talk about that because that that is that for me is where, is where I really want to get into the crux of the conversation. So before you got to your um your wife, was there anything in between that was just like this was enough for me? Like I guess what was your breaking point? Was it meeting nope. your wife was your breaking point? No. So there was no breaking point whatsoever. It was it was balls to the wall for real. <laughs> I was I was off the chain. Um, I I didn't run from large male anatomies. I ran to them. Wow! When I come in the room, I like being the guy that everybody wanted to sleep with. I I, I understand how girls feel when the, the super fly guy, the gangster, the super smart guy, the super Christian guy, the guy with all the money. They all approach you in several different ways. I I had experienced that. I liked it. I, I used to like being held and cuddled by a man. I'm, I'm a big football player. Yeah. My my desire was to be straddling a man's waist with my arms around his neck. That was I liked that. I did not have a problem with it. Wow. And I was um, but I loved this girl. I loved her. I really did love her. I knew I lo- I loved her. Like I felt safe with her. So how? So what changed when you met her then? Like. I mean, so you now met your wife, your now wife. My wife was mad cool. We smoked together, we drank together, we party together. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife used to make, she used to roll all the blunts. I used to make all the drinks. People, our parties were were epic. I used to throw, I used to throw my own car, my own parties too, like club parties. The DJ, the door, the security, all that I paid for. Me and my best friend, we split everything down the middle. Mm. And uh she would bring like 10 or 12 of her friends to a party. Um, so it was lit for about, eh, about two and a half years. It was, it was, it was really lit. So, so it was fun. I'm not going to say, sin is fun. And, and this is why, hallelujah, Jesus. This is why something had to conquer my mind because I was having a lot of fun. There was you nothing. Were you worried about like STDs or anything like that? Oh, I, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, there was two times I went to the clinic to get tested for HIV and I was horrified. It was the most bone chilling weight of my life. And it was crazy because I went one time and they were playing this uh, clip of when you don't know you have AIDS or you don't know you have HIV and then you need to tell people. And then it was this guy that got HIV and he told this guy, called him, you gave me HIV. No, I don't. I don't have it. And then he had to go get tested and he found out he had it. And they played the clip like 50 times. Yo, I was so scared. I'm looking at the TV like, yo, y'all doing this on purpose. This is on, y'all doing this on purpose. Like, why y'all keep playing this freaking movie? And I, I go back and she says, well, if, if it's one line preliminary, then you're you're negative. And then if it's two lines preliminary, then you're positive. So then she does it and she's like, she she waits. And she says, oh, you're negative so far. She said, we'll come back in five, I'll call you back in five minutes and I'll give you the final. She says, Okay, you're negative. And then she asked me, do you, do you have unprotected sex? And I'm like, sometimes. Do you have, so you sleep with men or with women? I'm like, with women. I didn't want to say men. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because that could have been completely. Yeah. 
because I acknowledge it now that I got it. Like, I'm like, I, it was times when I was wanting to acknowledge it. It was times when I was like, I'm gay. I, I could look in the mirror and tell myself I'm gay. You're gay, you love it. You love being with me. All right. What, what, what did your wife do to change your mind, to change your ways? Because obviously you are with Nothing she could do. It was the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you have an encounter with God? Was that when? So, I'm glad you asked. So, in all this fleshful debauchery, as I like to call it, because that's what it was. Um, I used to mix brown and white liquor too. That was my. That was how I drank. Um, I'm gonna mix the Remy with some Cuervo, some green apples with some 1738. Put a little bit of Sprite on top, some Pepsi on top, whatever I was drinking that night. Some hypnotic with uh, some brown nigga something. And I'm and that's how I'm going to drink. I was bigger. I was a, I was a football player. So my body absorbed the well. And then I, used to, I smoked a lot of exotic weed. Um, I'm incisive with a black, black and mild. So you get extra buzz. Like that was, yeah, I imagine I'm throwing parties. Uh, we stand like anyway, $4,000 a night where we would gross over $10,000 but we were partnering with different and different events and things. Sleeping with a lot of women, sleeping with a lot of men, going to all these crazy parties. Like life is like just full speed ahead. Mm. I started to feel really empty. Very, 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 very empty. And the adversary kept saying, just be gay. Just come out as completely gay. You know you love it. You know that's what you want to do. You know that's going to be fulfillment of your life. Just be gay. And I was just, and I started to say, I'm gay. I'm gay. That's what I am. And my mother, after me and my wife do a New Year's Eve party, January 1st, get home. The following day, she says, Yeah, I go to church. All right, man, go to church. Bishop talking, he talking. Then he calls me to the altar. He called me. Wow. So then he says, Go sin no more. Just like that. That was what did it. That's what he said. So I ain't like that. And I kept hearing it in my head when I got home and I was driving home and then I was walking down my steps and I'm like, you go see no more. I knew it was the presence of the Lord. I knew it was the spirit of God, but I did not care. I wanted to be gay. I was trying to get in my room and I couldn't get in my room. Trying to force my way in. And then, and then eventually I just pushed into my room and I fell to my knees. Yeah. Like I could not stand up against the presence that was there. And I was screaming and hollering and crying, let me be gay. If you could translate the language that I was saying, that's what I was, that's, that's what the language was saying. The language of my tears and my hollering. And I was like, let me be gay, let me be gay, let me be gay. That's, that, was, that, was, that is what was projecting out of me. And I felt he wasn't listening. So then I said, I'm ugly, insecure, I'm fearful. I'm not confident. The people that you see on the surface are not really my friends. Mm-hmm. You don't like to be me. That's what I said. And then the romance from the Lord came in. The title of my book is called From Secrets With Men to Romance With Him. Say that one more time. From Secrets With Men to Romance With Him. He said, immediately he said, I was publicly ridiculed. I was publicly defamed. I was publicly betrayed. I was tortured and I was murdered because I love you. Lady T, I was so shocked. I was shocked. God, I was shocked. To this day, this story, 
it always reminds me of my the real birth date, my real birth date. That's what I consider my real birth date. I'm not even that big on my birth date. My birth, January 2nd, 2011 is the most important day to me. It's more important than my the day I got married, more important than my, my children being born. It's the, it's the most important day to me. It was your new birth. Yes, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So I, I, I couldn't speak because like, it's like the tears was like, they was running and it was like, they just stopped. And I was like, what? But I didn't expect, I, you gotta think, in 2011, a black man in the black community say you gay? And, and not be a pariah? Forget with men, with women. Like, you're not gonna last. You're mm-hmm. gonna have to go to the other side because they're not gonna accept you. Mm-hmm. Not in that time. So he didn't ridicule me, didn't judge me, didn't dismiss me. I didn't feel, I didn't, I felt so safe and comfortable. And then he just cut right to the chase. He said, give me homosexuality, give me fornication, give me drinking, give me smoking, give me cursing, give me partying, give me everything. And I'm going to give you my love. Wow. And you see how it feels. Oh, Lord, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I t- now, I tell my story the way I tell it because I have to show people. I have to take you down the road of what I was into. Mm-hmm. I was at the height of sexual pleasure. The height of it. I was at the height of sensational, satis- sensational satisfaction. When I felt the love of God, None of those experiences will ever be able to describe a comparison to what I felt when the love of God overtook my entire body. And I said, if this is what real love feels like, I don't want anything else. I just want the Lord in Jesus' name. Immediately, I was committed and sold out to God. Wow. Something had to conquer my mind because I loved sex with men. Like I've never explained it like this. I'm, as I've been, te- I've been, I've been giving my testimony a lot lately. But I need people to understand this. Are watching this? Because people gonna say he's still gay. He's gonna cheat on his wife. He's gonna sleep with men on the secret and all that. And that's their opinion. Yeah. Um, I have a friend I was just talking to this morning. I remember seven years ago. She said, "I want to see you ten years from now." I said, in ten years from now, you're gonna do a dance because I still ain't gonna be gay. And Jesus still gonna be Lord." Wow. I loved having sex with men insatiably. It was something that I thoroughly looked forward to. Mm. It was an art. It was an ordeal every time. Something had to conquer my mind from that. Something had to change my mind from that. And somebody could say, well, you're just religious and you just is how you grew up. No, because I was ready to stay in that space. I was screaming with the Lord, the God of the universe, let me be gay. It had to be something that changed my mind. And that is why I'm in love with Jesus Christ to this day. That is why I'm on a Jesus hide. I'm never coming down. That is why I'm willing to die for him. That is why he is my all in all. That is why I run to him and I'm safe. That's amazing, actually. So when did you tell your wife about your... Um, your, a your... week, a week after the, the well, the same night I called her and said we can't have sex no more. She said, "Can I ask why?" I said, "Cause I gotta please God." She said, "Well, I gotta be real with you. Like I'm usually like when a guy stop having sex with me, like he about to break up with me or dump me or like or, or not be. He's gonna separate from me in some way." I said, "I'm gonna prove to you that I love you. I'm gonna prove." She said, huh? "I said I'm watch me. I was very confident. I said I'm gonna prove to you that I'm really in love with you." But did she know about you sleeping with men, though? Here we go. 
So that night I told her that about all my infidelities with women. Right. About a week or a few days later, then I said, all right, God, before I go any further with her, I got to tell her the other part. And I said, the woman that can receive my testimony and still love me is who I'm, I'm going to marry. I, go, I, I said, man, I got to tell you something else. She said, okay, come to the house, sit in the car. I said, what if I told you I used to be gay? She starts laughing. Ah, boy, you said, you crazy. I said, no, nah, boy, I'm sure. She said, boy, shut up. Uh, uh, ladies, man, vent. Big football player? Nah, I can't see. Then I started telling her the stories. She like, ain't no masculine man gonna make up no story like that. She was then her eyes started getting bigger and it started like to sit on her. She was like, This is serious. This is real. She said, How did you keep this from everybody? She said, Did your best friend know? I said, No, nobody knows. Said one person. I said, You know that. I had a cousin that knew that other friend, but I said, You know. And she eventually asked me, said, Are you done with the life? I said, Yes. I said, I just want Jesus and you. She said, let's move forward. She looked at me, she kissed me. Let's just move forward. And today, when I last left her, she was coming home from work and she was sleeping in the bed. And we had been married going on 10 years. Wow. Two beautiful children. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's like that. what do you say after that? You know, everything that you've been through, you tell her, she still says, Let's move on. Because for some women, it will be a lot harder. And let's, let's call it what it is. No, I can't do it. Yeah, completely. Some women will say because they think it's the way. Some women will say because I don't know how, how am I going to be able to please him because yeah. he's experienced both things. For whatever reason, some women just be like, nah, you lied to me. I was unsafe with you. Now, we went both got tested. Um, but I thank the Lord for keeping me too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she stayed with me. All right. There's some questions I'm going to ask you uh, that have come in. So I'm going to put them to you in a minute. Um, even though you are now 10 years married, do you ever get tempted at all? No. Not at all? Like, Not even triggered, a triggered by anything that you see or something that you hear? I remember. I, rem I remember my vivid, vivid sexual experience with women. Right. I remember when I used to throw super, super duper parties. I remember big hits on the floor field where my head was ringing and I couldn't hear for 10 seconds. I remember, but tempted? Nah, that's the furthest thing from my mind. The furthest thing from my mind. Mm. Um, if there is something I need to stay away from, I would rather stay for, away from women that are attracted to me or aroused by me. I've been, you know, presented with that a lot in my marriage where I will, I make it very blatant and clear. I love Jesus and I love my wife. Please leave me alone. Simple. Yeah. 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 And I and it's a weird because they're like, what is, what is he gay? He don't like look. I don't, they tell me like look, look at the women's butts. I seen it. Like I said, I can see it. And I of course she all right, but I'm not gonna take a second, third look now. Cause why am I taking a second third look? It's not mine. It's, yeah. not, my, it's not my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Okay. So how do you respond to your friends who are still uh do you have any friends that are still gay? All of my friends that have experienced that life are all delivered as well. There really? are hundreds of us around the world. There are thousands of us around the world that have been delivered. So they have been delivered from homosexuality. It's men, women, former trans, former lesbians, former uh, from male to female, female to male. There are thousands of us. Mm. Uh, I'm affiliated with several groups 
all around the world. My, actually, uh, I have several friends that their testimonies have been featured on the 700 Club. My testimony was, is featured on the 700 Club now. Wow. Uh, it's called No More Illusions of Love. I believe that's the title. And I know it's either No More Illusions of Love or No Illusions of Love or something like that. Um, but if you type in the 700 Club, you type in Victor Bell next to it, you can find it. Wow. Okay. Gosh, that's a, whew, there's a, there's a lot. Um, and, and this is another question, actually. What is your response to those who say that they were born homosexual? Like, what do you say to that? Why did you ask this question? <laughs> I want you to take a minute and look okay. up Hunter Kirk and Madsen. Hunter Kirk and Madsen. Hunter Kirk and Madsen were Harvard graduates. One was a marketing specialist, one was a psychology major. Hunter Kirk and Madsen uh, were gay. And they, they are the authors of, this, of the book, The Last Ball, or After the Ball. Uh, they, are, they were really uh, instrumental also with the Gay Manifesto in 1987. It's, this is the actual article. Talks about how the homosexual community will come for the heterosexual community and even be willing to go to war. Look it up. This is real. Um, so Hunter Kirk and Madsen said we must change the heterosexual's mind to toward the LGBT community, to the homosexual. And they said we cannot say it is a choice because the religious sext, S-E-C-T-S, will strip away at that. They will eat that up whether it be Christian, Muslim, what have you, um, I'm not a uh, believer that anyone else's truth is absolute. I believe that the, that the true gospel of Jesus Christ is the absolute truth, but I understand that they feel that their truth is absolute truth too. But either way, they felt like all of those uh, faiths would bite away at this. And they said, so we must tug on the empathy and the, sim and the sympathy, the emotions. We must present people that disagree with us. We must find a way to align society to believe that if you, if you disagree with us, that you're evil or you're wrong or, or that you're hateful. And they said, what method can we use to do this? And they said, ah, the black civil rights movement. That is the methodology they use to tug on the hearts of people through propaganda. They said, we must be, we must fit in in the social norm of society, commercials, entertainment, education, law enforcement, uh, the church. Um, and we must find a way to be present as regular. And they're people, homosexuals, you know, lesbian, whatever, they're people. They're, they breathe oxygen, they bleed blood, they cough, they sneeze, they, you know, they should not, homosexuals should not be gay and lesbian, should not be mistreated in any way, form or fashion, period. No if or ands or buts about it. They are human beings. Um, there shouldn't even be a discussion whether they should get equal rights or uh, fair uh wages or, or any of that why are we discussing it because they because they're because of their sexual preference it has nothing to do with their inalienable rights yeah but the problem becomes when they get when they feel the same rights that the the heteronormative heterosexual male or female has gotten when they feel that they should get what's the word i want to use um more rights or special treatment mm. because of what they've been through with how they were treated as the LGBTQ community. They should get special preference in the job world and 
the uh, finance world uh, and education and entertainment. That's where the problem comes in. And what Connor Kirk and Madsen understood is this is the way we will change people's minds because even if we're not as qualified, you will, we, will, we will be able to infiltrate every arena because if we don't get what we want, we will be able to tug on people's hearts to say, if we didn't get it because we were gay, then you're hateful or you're a hate monger or you're discriminating. And this is how they, this is why the term gay is the new black, that's where it originated from, was birthed from that. This is, this is, this is black and white documentation. Look it up. I didn't know this when I was, when I was on the low. I started studying just, you know, the origination of this stuff because I said, I'm going to have to speak to it one day. So is that, is that why you think people, they say that they're born? They don't even know, they, they don't even know that's why they say it. That is why they say it. They have no clue why they say it. Whew. That's very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. But yeah, I'm definitely going to look at that for sure, for sure. All right, so um, next question. What can the church do better to show love to people who are same-sex attracted without compromising on what the Bible says? Be of God. And if you're going to be of God, you need to love through people. Mm. Meaning you're not stopping at a certain point because you don't like their lifestyle. Be of God, be integral all the way around. Stop allowing the, the praise worship leader to have sex with all the women and the really handsome deacon to have sex with all the women and the really cute missionary because she can sing and she brings money to the church and he has to have sex with all the men and uh, jealousy and envy, witchcraft from, um, to control and uh, manipulation and mental abuse. Stop using those areas to, to garner your exalted place of church hierarchy and elitism. Mm-hmm. If you would just be of God and let the gospel be your guide, let it be the guide to your administrations and your programmings and your ministries of the organization of church, where it's supposed to be an example of the body of Christ. If you would just do that, people, not just gay people, people would feel more comfortable coming into the headquarters that usually is the brick and mortar called a church. And more people will be open to listening to the foundations of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. But because we add so much ingredients of self and control and manipulation and insecure or fearful influence uh, or, or hate, discrimination, Pieces of us that says, I want my will to feel safe at any cost. Because we add all of that into it. People, not just gay people, people are saying, I know um, the uncomfortable feeling when I see it. I know when I, I know when I feel it. And I don't want anything to do with any of it, let alone a gay person. Um, particularly gay people because of the, the history of the church and how the church has lied about it too. The church has lied for a long time. The church has not been honest about men that sleep with little boys and women that court little girls and I mean, it's put them under, under their it's Yeah, it's coming out. The, the Catholic church, the, the black church, the, just the church. The Catholic priests were sleeping with boys. The church, the black church was sleeping with boys. Women, you, you, have, you have women that go on missionary trips and women's retreats and they're lesbians. They're, they're having whole orgies. 
it's, it happens. It's happening. It's 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 been happening for years. Yeah, it's just, just talk about it. And we don't do. We don't. We we, we don't. We we're, we're not. See, the spirit of the Lord is not effectual like it should be in us. We we're not submitted and surrendered and and, and and dead, dying every day, so that the spirit that is causing us to live and to function to have our total being is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So, being able to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. With the mind to still please God, it's almost you would feel as though it's impossible because people are so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because of arousal, because of ignorance, and because of uh, fear that you're gonna lose control of the congregation or people go out and have sex and there's gonna be a wild sex party at your church and all the rest of that. No, you can talk about sex and still please God. Paul did, mm-hmm. Solomon did, Jesus said. But this cause, a man should leave his mother and father and should cleave to uh, his wife should become one flesh. He started on the track for it. The book of Psalms did, David did. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the wife of the youth, the youth of your wife's breast. Like, yes, it's possible. But let's just keep it real. People nasty. So this is why when you start talking about sex, I might be tripping, oh no, no uh, stop yeah, it. Why is, this is it. Like, there's such a huge problem with talking about sex in the church, whereas this is, but it's in the Bible for us. You talk about crack, you talk about drugs, talk about murder, talk about racism. You can't talk about how we got here. Nothing, yeah. And and it's and it's causing so much internal damage than people realize. Like the, the idea- It's for years and it, it corrodes it from the inside. People right. having vicious sexual desires because they never get to talk about it. Yeah, and it, you need to be able to talk about it. You should be free to talk about it. You should be chastised or felt feel like shame to talk about it you know it is a natural thing and it's fine so another quick question real quickly is this um what do you say to people who um who are christians who are you know um gay or lesbian and clearly knowing what the bible says about it but still live in that like what what, what do you say to that because sometimes i i sometimes battle with that Somebody that acknowledges the word for what it is, you know what the word says, you know what the will of God is, you know the spirit convicts you about it, you are in danger of being eternally reprobate. And if you are making, if you're being complete in your mind that you know, but you're still going to do what you want to do, you are reprobate. You have chosen to be reprobate. Now, until life leaves, breath leaves your lungs, you have an opportunity to acknowledge him as Lord and acknowledge his will in his way. It does not mean, say that again, you have an opportunity before life leaves your body, life leaves our bodies, to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and his will. It does not mean you will not have memories, you do not have desires. The scripture says, in times past, we all had our conversation in the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and the flesh mind and with by nature, the children of wrath. God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith this love has he loved us and set us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about this in 6 Corinthians, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13. All the things were not inherited the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. So it does not mean you don't have an opportunity to acknowledge him as Lord and acknowledge his will and surrender your, surrender your will and your flesh. Mm-hmm. But if you are accepting that you know the will of God, You've acknowledged it. You have tasted the gift of the of the power of the word and its ability to teach, its ability to, or its function to teach, 
to correct, to instruct and guide in righteousness. It's ability to, to quicken you and make you alive and convict you in your inner thoughts and intents of your heart. If you have done that and you're choosing that, you ain't no different than a snitching gangster. Straight up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Straight up, period. Like, look, listen, everybody ain't going to heaven um, and, and some people going to hell and some people going to heaven. It is what it is. But the father said, let them grow together. And he will, just, he will, and he will divide. Mm. He will separate the wheat from the tear. And, and that's why I don't argue with people about it. You know, if you want to, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. It's none of my business. Because when we stand before the day of judgment, I'm not going to stand with you. If you ask me, I'll tell you why, my, my story and how the love of God uh, resurrected my life and why I live a life to please the Lord. Mm. But I can't make you do anything. I pray that my posture is in the position that my voice will subvert the minds of the gainsayers, that it, it, will, it will be the manifestation of the sons of God, that, that the creature desires to see, as the word scripture says, that the creature cries out for the manifestation of the sons of God. I pray that, that my posture will, be, will, be, will provide a light that you will see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. But I can't make it be that. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, I'm going I'm to I'm keep it real with you. I want, I'm, and you can quote this. I do not feel that there should be a gay marriage, a, a gay marriage ban law. You know why? Because if believers were truly living the law of Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit in our hearts and, and letting it be shown, we wouldn't need that law. That law is people want a law like that because you want a manner of control. Because if you say you can't get married, then well, it's like a scapegoat or a, 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 a safety net. Well, we could just control everybody now because now they can't do it because it's a law. But that don't mean they really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That don't mean they have a relationship to please God. That mean they really, really surrendered uh, their will to him. They just abiding by the law. We, we seen what the law get us. Death. The sting of death, the sting of sin is the law, and the sting of the law is death. We, that's what the scripture say. But the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth what? Giveth life. So if you if we were living by the spirit constantly, they would see the life and they would want more of the life to say, wow, this love, it conquers all knowledge and it conquers all fear. I want to know this love. I want to know this love in spite of my will and in spite of my life and in spite of my flesh, in spite of my thoughts, in spite of my fears, in spite of what I went through, in spite of what I like, this love is better. Mm -hmm. We, and, and Paul said, I have become all that I may gain some. I mean, I become all that I may win more. The ones with the law, I became the law. The ones without the law that, 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 that uh, 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 called Jesus Lord, I became one uh, to them. But the ones that were weak, I became all to them. That I may gain more. We're not going to gain everybody, but you, we would gain more. But we don't want to do that. We want to stick to our denominational witchcraft. I said it, denominational witchcraft and regulation. It's denominational, denominational matrix. We got a bunch of Asian Smiths running around disguising themselves as apostles and uh, uh, teachers and evangelists and prophets. And uh, You went there. You very much went there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I see, I see. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I hear those points. I, I, I definitely hear that. It's, uh, it's always an interesting one. And I'm, I'm just, I'm always very like, but, Okay, do what you want, but this is what the word says. But hey, when God yeah. when God decides to deal with you, then then you'll know. So you you know it is what it is. Okay, so um, next question: um, Why do you think homosexuality has become 
a hot topic um, in the church considering the Bible speaks out against a wide multitude of things. Why do you think that is? And it's, is there an unfair emphasis on that particular it's, it's thing? It's the easiest thing to condemn. It's so glaring. It's like, it's easy to say, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a homosexual, according to the word. But in the book of Proverbs, I believe in the book of Proverbs, it says, six things does God hate and seven of them are an abomination. And when you look them up and you break them down in the simplest form, they are the things that are in the commandments that he says, thou shalt not do. Hmm. And they are the things that people do every day. Hmm. Jealousy, envy, backbiting, proud, pride. These are normal things that people do every day. But if we were to really deal with those things, then we we would get really delivered. Hmm. Paul said, we would see we, that, that would really cause us to press for the mark of the high calling that is Christ Jesus, that by any means we may obtain the resurrection of the dead. That meaning he was being, he was using hyperbole, but what he was saying is, I'm gonna die to my flesh so much that I might resurrect, that I'm gonna really die in my human form and resurrect just complete spirit. We don't deal with that. We rather deal with what's convenient and easy to talk about. We make provision for our flesh. So yeah. our flesh looks like we're righteous. Yeah. Holy salted and perfect and no 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 we don't want to deal with that I'm too much like right mm. oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from this body of death paul said i would what i would do i do not and what i do not i would therefore i find another uh, uh, i find a law that when i would do good evil is always present i find this spirit warring in my members it is sin and we don't want to deal with the fact that we are righteousness as filthy rags it's nothing we can do to earn the right, right standing with God, the love of God, the redemption of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing. We are deplorable in his eyes, except by the blood of his son. And we would rather deal with what is glaring, because it's an abomination, according to Leviticus, uh, and, uh, I believe uh, Leviticus 18, uh, you know, it's an abomination. But there's seven other things that are abomination too. Yeah. So let's put them, let's put them all together. If we're going to talk about whenever you talk about homosexuality, you should talk about pride. Whenever you talk about homosexuality, homosexuality, talk about jealousy and envy. Whenever you talk about jealousy, uh, homosexuality, talk about backbiting. We don't do that. There's basically been a hierarchy of yeah. what's worse, what what sin, what sin is deemed the what the most worse. But yes, but yes. On, on the level on Christ's level uh, uh, playing field, they're all the same. Yes. Now I, I will say I this: with them the same as well. When, when a person accepts the action of homosexuality, you immediately reject God's will for man. Um, and it's kind of like shooting a gun. Once you squeeze the trigger, you can't get that bullet back. Mm. Now, if you carry the gun, um, or if you, I won't say you carry the gun, if you, if you throw a glass at somebody or throw a book at them, throw a shoe at them or pluck them in the head, that can heal. When you shoot that gun, the, the chance of somebody dying is, is pretty increased. Mm. And that's what homosexuality is. It is a, it is an immediate rejection of 
regard for life. When I'm somebody shooting, they want people to die. When somebody throw a glass at somebody, they want to hurt somebody. You're not, that's not your first thought. Um, and with, when homosexual, what homosexuality says is, I want to overthrow your will immediately. You could, you could say, you could, you could hide being jealous and envy and backbiting and being prideful and being uh, uh, swift of uh, uh, chaos and all those things. It talks about the God hates. You could hide that. And it could cause some, it, it, it can mess some stuff up. And it's and it's against God's will. Um, and and or you could have to grow from it. Mm. Uh, you could have to, you know, acknowledge it and 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 remove those things from you. You could do the same with homosexuality, but immediately when you do it, what it says is, I'm turning my back to you right now, God, right off, right off the gate, turn my back to you. And this is why. It's an abomination to him because it is not the image of how he created man. Mm. See, when he sees his, sees us, he wants to see his image. Let us create man in our image. So when you immediately say, I'm gay, what you're saying is, I don't want your image. So when he looks at it, it's, yeah. it's abhorring. It's abominable. Think of something you see and be like, oh, no. Mm. Immediately, who you see it? That's how he sees that. But he also sees those other six things, seven of them are the abominations. Well. The same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, 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 we need to we need to accompany them together. Not individually or yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the same way I describe homosexuality is the same way those things should be described. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand why people see it that way because of its isolation from those scriptures, but it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's just the fact that, you know, that men, it should be just men and women because that's how it is. And then there's this huge pressure on like, no, no, it shouldn't be man and man. It shouldn't be woman and woman. It should be man and woman, which was the way it was created before. So, um, yeah. Okay, so last question for you um, as we round up. Um, How can Christians better love and serve those in that particular community? As I said before, um love without conditions love according to the word and be and, and also be okay with that everyone's not going to like you see the, another way you can love people according to the truth and the word the word says sanctify them in truth that word is truth um it talks about it somewhere in galatians where the love of god is truth um but look it up love and truth the bible um, I know somewhere, I believe in Galatians or Ephesians, one of them. But be willing to tell people the truth about your faith, not when they when they want to know, mm. when they ask you. Be willing to stand on it. And also be willing to live the truth of how you're supposed to love people. Mm. And we separate that a little bit. Now, I could be a little more, you know, inconsiderate of you because you're gay. No, you shouldn't be. You should be thoroughly loving them, considering them as a person, as a human being, with general consider uh, 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 want and desire for what you want someone to do to you, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. You should treat them the same way. And if you're doing that through the effects of the work and power of God, 
people would just, even if they don't want to not be gay anymore, they would be like, all right, I trust this person to be an integral person. They're good people. Mm-hmm. It makes you more comfortable want to know more about me, to ask me more questions. Mm-hmm. That I might gain, that, that I might gain more and you may win a soul for Christ Jesus. And just take the whole matrix of the institution of church and just throw it out. Just throw it out, but that ain't gonna happen. That's that's my take. Just throw it out. All the stuff we learn, all of the, the origins of the denominations we know today through much of much of it comes through slave institutional organization. Yep, there's that too. Yeah, the, literally the denominations that people. I grew up in the Baptist. I grew up in the Met. Yeah, it comes from all of it. Yeah. Way we dress in church, white gloves, Sundays, all of that stuff. All of that stuff. How the podium sits up above everybody. The the hats we wear. The all of that stuff. Just really, just throw it all out because. The, the more you cleave to that stuff, you have to keep certain actions to because they give it weight. They uh, they they give it justification. Well, this is why we have to do that because this and this is why we have to talk like this and this is why we have to deal with people like this. The only thing you shouldn't be, the only thing that, that we really should be doing is this. If you're living in sin, you cannot minister the gospel. If you are living in sin, it don't mean if you homosexual, if you alcoholic, dumb, well, he drank, but he don't, no, no, no. If you are living in sin, whatever your gift is and how you desire to minister, you should not be publicly doing it as a representation of the body of Christ through this institution of what we know as church. Hmm. Everybody should be set down if I know that you are literally, so hold on, you sing, hallelujah, praise Jesus, thank you, Lord, but you are, sleeping with three of the sopranos. No, you're sitting down. Today, you're sitting down. We love you. We will go through counseling sessions. We will go through, you know, correction and all that. But you're sitting down today. I'll meet you in church. Good day to you. We love you. Bye-bye. There should be reprimands for such things. It's not even being mean. It's just, but see, that's why, that's why a lot of gay people don't feel like the church is a lie. It's like, bro, y'all don't deal with everybody the same way. Y'all just deal with me this way. Mm-hmm. The mob became the mob because the mob says, listen, you snitch, you die. Yeah. Period. Ain't no if or answer bus about it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get you. Mm-hmm. Somewhere we're gonna we're gonna get you because we don't we don't tolerate that. But the church wants to keep its hierarchy of cult, social elitism. So they they deal with people differently per the inner circle and that expands through an understanding and through a replica and we look cultish across the board in so many areas whether big church or small church mega church or medium church whatever and we because we won't deal with it this is what we run into and if we would deal with it we we would just give people more of a safety net to say okay these people are actually real they're practical it makes sense that's what makes people want to be around this moment. And, and like I said, just keep it, keep it real. Like, man, look, this is my, this was my face, what I believe in. 
I do it all the time. And, and people that are gay be like, look, y'all, what he's saying is he know he don't hate us, he don't dislike us, but he said according to what he believes, he cannot agree with us. Yeah. That's all he's saying. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fundamentally uh, impossible for him to do that. Yeah, absolutely. People be like, well, I guess, but like, I mean, okay. Oh, wow. This has been so interesting and so insightful and, you know, just how your your journey has been, the, the intensity of it when you were younger to adulthood and now married and, you know, 10 years married, which I think is, is a testimony in itself. Um, and I just thank God for that. I just really thank God for how, you know, from what you were before to now shows the true transformation that can be done by God. So um, thank you so much for sharing your your story, your journey and your wisdom as well, uh, which I think is absolutely um, so important and so awesome. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so, so much. So where can people find your book, which is called uh, From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him? Yes. How can people find my book? on amazon.com or Barnes and Noble or Apple products or so. Uh, you can also look me up on my website uh, called from secretswithmen.com. Uh, you can find my testimony on the 700 Club. You can just go to type in the 700, go to 700 Club and type in Victor Bell. You can go on YouTube and type in 700 Club and Victor Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find my spoken word. Um, you, the links are on my, my Facebook page, Victor Edward. Um, my business Facebook page, Victor Edward, or you can find it on my Clubhouse page, Yeshua Over Nuss. That's say it again, Yeshua Over Nuss. Y e s h u a Over Lust. Uh, Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of Jesus of Jesus's name. Um, oh, uh, yeah, uh, yes, I can't say it. Um, it's, it's, we'll, it's, we'll, we'll put it all in the details below. They can just go and find the details yeah. that way. I know there may be people from the Middle East as they may be like, no, it's, it's yes, I'm a guy. Like, yeah. right. It's like the, the pronunciations, the tonations. Oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? Yeah. But, you know, awesome. Um, yeah. We'll you can find it there. What's your Instagram? Love and Sword. L O V E A N D S W O R D. Love and Sword. There you go. So, there was one question that I wanted to ask you actually and I didn't get a chance but I'm going to ask it real quickly obviously because of you know your journey where you come from and you know there's another high profile um Christian Jackie Hill Perry who was uh who was gay and is no longer that as well she's happily married with kids as well and there was another guy as well um what do you say to people who doubt people like that and thinking that it's not going to last like like because there's always there's always you're always going to get those few people who are going to be like nah they're still that like what you're preaching is wrong that you you will always be no matter what you'll always be gay you'll always have that temptation like so what do you say to that so i said you you know what you could create theories to prove me wrong you know people do that every day people in jail because people have created theories that are wrong but i say what i want you to do is spend the rest of your life proving my god wrong prove him wrong Spend the rest of your life. Yell at him, scream at him. You're lying. This is fake. I don't believe you. Like, tell him. Keep, look, don't sugarcoat it. Talk to the, 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 the being, the entity that I say changed my life. Prove yeah. him wrong. Prove everything about him wrong. Simple. 
Again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate you. Um, again, your story was just fantastic. And again, I just pray that God continues to use you in the way that he's doing to really just, um, you know, just change the minds and just really minister to people to their hearts. So I pray that he continues to strengthen you and bless you in, in that for sure. So thank you once again. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. I didn't send my email. Victor dot Edward Ministries at gmail.com. That's V-I-C-T-O-R dot E-D-W-A-R-D Ministries at gmail.com. Reach out to me on here. Like the purpose of a book or you just like some people can't afford it. Some situations are real, you know, in this world in this world. And you want to be blessed with the purpose that you know you want to reach out to me and ask me questions. Yeah, but yes, honestly, if you if you have questions. Um, about this topic that we talked about, please do get in touch with uh, Victor. He'd be happy to answer your questions uh, no matter what. So yeah, so please do get in touch with him. But um, that's it from me from this episode. Thank you all so much. Remember to um, like and follow the uh, podcast um, page, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, so it's Spotify, Apple, whichever. Yeah, until next time, stay blessed. Mm-hmm.